Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. It's a verse-by-verse edition with Dr. R.B. Maynard. So thanks for joining us today. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. So keep joining us on the Grace Point Daily Podcast journey. Don't always mention this. We do have one alternate podcast that comes out of Life Our Church. It's called Modern Christian Dads. You can check that one out. We have a lot of fun on that one. Always dropping an episode each and every week. So both podcasts, at least at the minimum, one podcast per week. So trying to give you a lot of content. You can follow us on Facebook Live. We're there right now. So give us a comment, give us a reaction if you'd like, or um, you can go to Grace Point Daily, the YouTube channel, and we archive all the videos and stuff. So you can go back and watch all that good stuff. Well, Dr. R.B. Maynard, welcome in. Thank you. Um, my, my ultimate goal is to have more people who like me on here than like Kelly Stevens on Modern Christian A.K.A. Dads. Leckley Sheppins. Leckley Sheppins. And I, it's hard to get the analytics of what he really brings to the show anyway, because mm-hmm. he just he kind of comes in and we have a, l- a little pre-show prep and we're always like, all right, Kelly, what do you got today? Mm-hmm. Stories, et cetera. I got nothing. You got nothing. So, yeah, yeah. anyway. I recognize Leckley Sheppins. Yep. A.K.A. Kelly Stevens. Uh, it's fall season here, Dr. R.B. Maynard, and leaves are falling. A little bit colder. It's kind of weird. Like the other day just hit me with all this COVID stuff. Like it's going to be Thanksgiving and Mm -hmm. Christmas and 2020 is going to be over with. It was a blur. I know. It is a blur. And everybody acts like it's going to be something (laughs) different when 2021 comes around. It's a whole new world. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Well, we're going to get into the word, but I do have to share my my epic prank fail I had last night. Not Mm -hmm. too epic, but I I like to prank every once in a while. Uh So I saw a great video last uh, yesterday of uh, Facebook. And it's basically, well, a couple ones are super hilarious. But one was basically a guy, just a dad or something. I don't know if it's a dad. Anyway, he takes like a scary Halloween mask, basically, Mm -hmm. and then he puts it in the toilet. So like face up, you know, and then closes the lid so that when you (laughs) lift up the lid, there's the big scary mask right Uh there and you're supposed to get mad and freaked out. So I spent, I I don't know, 30 minutes, let's say 30, 40 minutes of my time. By the time I drove to Walmart and trying to find a good mask to Mm -hmm. do that uh, to my children at home when I got home that night. And I'm like, I don't want to spend more than like a dollar or two on this. So I could, the only thing I'd find for a dollar or two was a Jason mask, the Mm -hmm. hockey mask. Mm -hmm. And I stuck that in the toilet and the, the effects weren't not quite the, yeah. Well, did did you take the mask <laughs> off first? Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of it, it did. They didn't get freaked out and scared, and the, and actually the boys found it first. So yeah, they ruined the whole thing. They're yeah. like, yeah. what is it? <laughs> they go around blabbing, and they would get in trouble if if yeah. they put a mask in the toilet. Exactly. So, yeah. The other one that was super hilarious was uh, a lady. She uh, broke up with her boyfriend like six months ago, and I guess he cheated on her and stuff, and. He was bugging her about some items that she he wanted back. Mm-hmm. So she decided to put on a big fake pregnant lady belly oh. and then return the <laughs> box of items. So that was pretty funny to watch that guy's reaction. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. That's a, that's a great way to get right into the word right, isn't it, right. today. That's, but hey, the Bible's full of sin. Yeah, I'm not sure about the segue <laughs> here, but yeah. <laughs> so the Bible's full of sin, sinners, uh, lots uh-huh. of. Similar stories to that in the Bible, oh, but yeah. we're in First Kings chapter nineteen. Let's get in yep. nineteen verse five, and and uh, if you remember watching before, uh, Elijah's running for his life. You know, he's seen all these miracles, and now all of a sudden he's scared to death of Jezebel because she threatened to kill him, and uh, so he's running away. It says, uh, then he lay down under a tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, "Get up and eat." Um, and this is. You know, he's begged for God to take his life away, and this is that that situation. I, you know, I know that God understands our 
our feelings, our emotions, our depressions, our fears, all the, you know, we, we act like we ought to feel so guilty because mm-hmm. we're not always on the high, you know, that, that we feel bad some days, we feel unhappy some days. But even, and I think that's why these stories are here, even the greatest men in the Bible suffered from, you know, depression and fear and, and all of these things. But, but I think this is God speaking like, I'm not taking your life. I'm not done with you yet. And I think that's for all of us, you know, God needs to say. And I know, you know, we've talked about this a lot that, you know, I'm more tired than I used to be. I don't do as much as I used to do as far as even the church. I'm just tired when I get home. I'm, I'm not as, you know, used to it was go, go, go every night. And so, you know, I don't know how old Elijah is here, but mm-hmm. but he's probably just road weary from from everything. And even though God says, I'm not done with you yet, he still may not use me as aggressively, maybe as he would have before, because like I say, I'm just I'm more <laughs> tired than I used to be. And lots of people are, are that way. But but anyway, uh, this is a meal probably prepared by an angel. I mean this is going to be, he's out there again in the middle. We know he got fed by ravens, but now he's out there in the middle of nowhere again. No food, uh, just looking to die. And it says in verse 6, he looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Uh, verse 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. And again, this is another one of those you could say, well, why does God do it that way? If God's going to provide a miraculous meal, why didn't God just cause him to not be hungry and be able to make this journey without? But, you know, it's not God. Some people say, well, God's just showing off, you know. Well, I don't think uh, God would think preparing a little meal for somebody would Mm -hmm. be really, you know, (laughs) showing off to anyone but um but it it, you know i don't know why god does things um you know he could have said just take this food with you uh ration it out or he could have done like the widow uh, with the oil and the flour that didn't run out every day he got he could have done it like the manna but god is is unique and you can't always look at the way god's done it before and think that that's the way god's going to do it again Mm -hmm. you know i We've been praying for revival. We've been praying for church growth. And right now, now I know things can change. Right now, that's in children's ministry. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're picking up all these kids, and every week there's more kids. And it's like, well, I never really thought that's the way the church would grow is through children's, you know, and hopefully those kids bring their parents and mm-hmm. they're bringing other kids. I mean, all those kind of things. So God just doesn't, he just doesn't do things the same every time you can't always yeah. look around and say well you know last time i got extra money in my checking account and you keep looking at your account thinking that's the way it's going to happen and <laughs> yeah. he does something else so my my one of my favorite it's a very repetitive phrase in chronicles of narnia he's not a tame lion he's mm-hmm. not a tame lion yeah yeah <laughs> and that's that is true so uh Eight and nine, so he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. So uh, this is one of those uh, miraculous uh, 40-day fast. I mean, there are people who have fasted for 40 days, and 
um, you know, they but they drank water or they drank fluids, but they just didn't eat any food, you know, different ways of, of fasting. But to go 40 days and 40 nights with no food or mm-hmm. water, uh, that is a miraculous fast. Yeah. And, and I read, and you can kind of read some different, uh, because these locations in the Bible, not everybody always knows that the modern, like if there was a modern-day Horeb, that it's the same Horeb that was the Horeb in the Bible. And so there's there's some debate there on some of these, but but most of the things that I read, this was not a forty day journey. It should have been three or four days to make this trip. Now, uh, I've seen some that said you know twelve days, or you know again depending on how how many hours you walk in the day, how how fast do you walk. I mean, there's all kinds of, but but this was one of those instances, almost like the wandering in the wilderness. Um, that God was like, I'm not ready for you. To, I want you to go there, but I'm not ready for you to be there. And so I don't think Elijah is necessarily lost, but 40 days and 40 nights, um, and it should have taken three or four days wow. to make that journey. <laughs> and so, uh, again, the, the miraculous there, maybe God's preparing him, maybe God's speaking to him during the time, maybe he's performing other miracles. We just... That that's why it says if everything was written, you know, like that Jesus did, the books couldn't contain it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the way it is. Old Testament, if we had every detail of every story, um, the uh, we wouldn't have enough books to contain all that. But and the last part of that says, and the word of the Lord came to him, "What are you doing here, Elijah?" And they they believe this cave uh, is probably the same cave where Moses. Remember when God passed by and. You know, you weren't supposed to look on his face and, mm-hmm. and those things. They, they believe it might be the same uh, cave. But but in other words, it's it's like, what good are you doing here? What good are you doing hiding in a cave? This is, it, it's it's as if he's saying, you're, you are better than this. And I remember, and I had to kind of qualify this a little bit, but uh, I was talking to Sunday school class about, when I was probably 20, I don't know, 23 years old, something like that, I was working at Leggett and Platt. That was 40 years ago. Yeah, it was. <laughs> wow. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but I remember I, I could take you to the place laying in the bed, and I hated, I worked at Leggett and Platt, and I hated that job. I mean, on Friday night when I got off, <laughs> I was dreading going back Monday morning. I mean, it was that bad. I, I didn't enjoy my weekend. Because it was just a countdown to having mm-hmm. to start over again. I hated that job. But I worked there about two years. And I remember laying in bed one time, and I was like, I'm better than this. Now, the reason I had to qualify that is I'm, I'm not talking about, because we have lots of people who work in factories, who work at Leggett, who have been there. Well, Mike Pickering was my example in Sunday school class. He's been at H.E. Williams 47 years in the same place. That's, I mean, that's very honorable, mm-hmm. and and I'm sure God has used him in some way there with his work ethic, and so I'm not belittling that for someone else. I would, for me, I'm better than to have to hate my job every day mm-hmm. and dread going. <laughs> I can do something yeah. more uh, than that, and so I think God says that to us sometimes. What, in other words, to Elijah, what are you doing hiding in the cave? You're better than this. You know, there's 
there's a work for you. I can still use you. Why are you hiding in the cave? And, and I guess in modern times we could say, why are you sitting on your couch? You know, why are you not, not coming to church? Mm-hmm. What are you, I mean, you said, <laughs> what are you doing here? You're better than this. I could use that on Sunday, a pastor's appreciation Sunday, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm better than this job, but you know, I'm going to yeah. serve anyway. I'm, settle. I'm <laughs> settling for this job. I'm better than this, but I'm settling. That's so. my sacrifice I'm making just for you. Yeah. But, but don't you think God is probably saying, what are you doing here sometimes? I mean, like, mm-hmm. why are you, why are you sitting here in this case doing nothing with all the giftings and all the things you've seen in your life, but yet now you're just going to give it all up and sit here at the cave, you know, and do nothing. And so it says, 1910, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And this, it's, I don't want to be, obviously, who am I to be critical of Elijah, but it's a little bit of a whining Mm-hmm. moment you know i've been very zealous for the lord god almighty like like i mean he's talking to god and, <laughs> yeah and i think you know i think god's okay we can have a discussion with him we can share our he knows anyway so you might as well say it i mean it's not like if i keep it to myself god won't know how i feel um but but this depression uh issue or whatever it is but it sounds like a depress. he wants to be alone and that's what depression does a lot of times with people. It sends them into isolation. It, it makes you, you would think that you would want to be around somebody more because you need the company and you need to be lifted up and all of those things. But instead, it sends you into uh, a depression, sends you into an isolation. And that's what has happened to him here. I just, in other words, I think he's wanting to say, God, just leave me alone. And, and I think. I've always said, if you want God to leave you alone, all you got to do is tell him to leave you alone, and he will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a dangerous thing to say, is God leave me alone. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, you know, and he's basically, you know, I've been faithful to God. Elijah would say, I mean, look at what I've done. This is what they have done. They've rejected your covenant, broke down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword that's what all the Israelites have done, but I've been faithful. I, you know, again, I've gone to church my whole life. I could. It'd be easy for me to say, if I were the Elijah there, it'd be easy for me to say, well, I've been very zealous for this church. I've been mm-hmm. very faithful I've to this church. I've given money. I've, I've given, taught a class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've, I've been a board member. Mm-hmm. Look at all those other people. And they seem to be more blessed than I am. I've endured five pastors, yeah. six. I'm enduring the sixth one right now. So, but anyway, but I've been faithful, you know. We and we ask those questions sometimes. It does seem like, and I know, I know our our faith is not based on our works, but it still feels like when you get in that mode sometimes of <laughs> depression and mm-hmm. and feeling defeated. Then it starts feeling like, Lord, you know, I don't know what else I can do for you. And now this is, you know, now my mom's got Alzheimer's. Yeah. Now my dad's got Parkinson's. My, uh, you know, dementia. I think of child abuse. You know, we look at little kids that are being abused and mm-hmm. and think they don't, you know, 
I have sin in my life. If bad things happen to me, I mean, there's there's sin. I mean, I can say I probably deserve that. Mm-hmm. But you think about innocent children and why God would, you know, would allow those things to happen. And so all of those questions, and I think Elijah is the same way. He's like, oh, they, they killed all the other prophets, and I'm the only one left. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it, again, if you go back to the local church, it'd be like me saying, you know, I've been faithful here, and now I'm the only one left of of Grace Point Assembly. Everybody else has left me, and, you know, I'm the only one. And uh, so uh, we have those um, I'm the only one left idea. And the other thing is there were other prophets. I think maybe he's speaking more to the idea that I'm the only one left in this area, but I'm not the only one actually left. Mm-hmm. But... um and they've done all those other things, and I'm I'm better than they are, and I'm still getting treated like this. Is kind of the, but the Lord says eleven and twelve, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Saying almost exact words he said to Moses. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. So this is, you know, he's standing. I mean, if you we read through those things sometimes, but Elijah's standing there looking, and he sees a wind that tears mountains apart and shatters rocks. Now, that's, that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. A tornado, basically. Um, but, it, but God wasn't in that. In other words, uh, he just kind of saying that was just an, a natural occurrence. And he says, after the wind, there was an earthquake. So the wind tears things apart. The earthquake probably splits the ground apart. After the earthquake, there's a fire, and I don't know how big of a fire that was, but after the fire came a gentle whisper. And this is, you know, when you see the earthquake, you could think, well, that's got to be God. You know, it just so happened that it happened at this time. If you see the fire, well, that's got to be God. And I just, there was other instances in uh, Nahum 1.3. says, his way is in the whirlwind and the storm. So it's talking about that God does come in the wind and the storm. Job 38.1, he spoke to Job out of the whirlwind. Uh, Psalm 68.8, the earth shook, the heavens poured rain when the law was given uh, to Moses on Mount Sinai. And then you had the burning bush, so God was in the fire. So there's plenty of examples where God was in those areas, but he's just saying now he's not there. He's not in the fire. He's not in the earthquake. He's not in the wind, but there's a gentle whisper uh, that Mm -hmm. comes. And and so um, it it seems like a, a little bit of Old Testament it doesn't just seem that way. It is that way. There's a lot more vengeance. There's a lot more uh, God became angry. You know, God killed people or had people killed or destroyed cities. And we have, you know, a whole – that's the reason a lot of people don't like the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I mean, some preachers will not preach out of the Old <laughs> Testament because there's too much, I hate to say gloom and doom, but God was – could become angered. And they don't like that. But – we have a New Testament that's full of grace, mm-hmm. mercy, and we like that because it lets us, um, I hate to say it, but it lets us sin without fear. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, really in the in the New Testament until you get to, I mean, I'm sure there's scriptures scattered throughout the New Testament, but really the book of Revelation is really the vengeance book of the New Testament. And so one book out of all those that really um, tears things apart, if you would, and and so the you know the New Testament we like to live under the New Testament, mm-hmm. but in the Old Testament God was he was an angry God. He expected certain things, and it was very clear what he expected. You know, for us sometimes we say, "Well, I'm not really sure." You know, is is uh, smoking bad? Is drinking bad? Is uh, you know all of these different things? We want we want it in black and white. Well, show me where it says I can't drink. Show me where it says I can't smoke. You know, we don't live in the spirit of the law. We live in the letter of we want somebody to show us exactly where it says we can or can't uh, do something. So yep. in 13, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood in the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So it's the same thing. Uh, he'd been told to go out get out of the cave, stand on the mountain, uh, and and he covers his face. I mean, it, the Bible does say uh, no man can see God and live, see his face or whatever. Uh, so we have that kind of scripture, and I'm sure Elijah has read that. But uh, whether he's covering, he may be covering his face somewhat in shame, you know, that you know how kids will, when they're about to get in trouble, they duck their head. You know, they <laughs> yeah. don't want to make eye contact and could be that. I think sometimes I'd, if Jesus showed up in the room, sometimes I would, I'd have to duck my head and, mm-hmm. you know, and I said, I've said it before. I, I never actually did this, but you know, in the movies and, and this is a little sidetrack, but in the movies, if, if someone is cheating on a spouse, I've seen these things where they will like they have a picture a guy has a picture of his wife sitting in the house and he's about ready to cheat on his wife and what does he do he takes her pic his wife's picture and lays it down in other words mm-hmm. he can't look at her picture <laughs> you know mm-hmm. while he's having an affair yeah and i i i thought you know i wonder maybe we should have a picture of jesus <laughs> right yep next to our television you know next to our internet whatever mm-hmm. it may be Maybe we should have a picture of Jesus there that we have to look, you know, and I know they're yeah. artists, uh, you know, it's not a physical picture of Jesus, but you know what I mean? Same principle. Yep. We, I'll, I'll go back to my, my Chronicles of Narnia because I was literally reading this the other day, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. There's in this part where Lucy, the cute little character that we all love, she gets to see Aslan the most. Anyway, she has to call the invisible back to, uh, invisible back to visible on this island that they're anyway. So when she speaks this and uh, then she sees Aslan, she's like, Whoa, you're really here. Oh mm-hmm. man, I feel so much better now. And he's like, I was here. Right. You just called, you just called the invisible to be visible, but mm-hmm. I was literally there. Right. So it was a powerful point. If he right. basically Aslan, AKA Jesus, if you read the story, basically like you think I'm invisible, mm-hmm. but I'm there the whole time. And then she's like, mind blown oh yeah you saw everything i just did the last basically mm -hmm. in this story what she was doing she's like you just saw everything i did the last three chapter you know yeah i did yeah (laughs) well same principle yeah i mean we 
we don't really, I mean, we know God's there, but yet we mm. can still, I've always said we can still put on the blinders and, you know, I've done things that are wrong before knowing they were wrong and I, but somehow I could put on the blinders and, and go past that. Like, like, well, this is not that bad or mm-hmm. I don't think God will get that mad about this or even to the extent of, well, I'll ask for forgiveness yep. <laughs> later. I mean, we, <laughs> we all say, I don't say those words, but we live like that sometimes. Like, well, I can, you know, I can go ahead and do this because I can always get forgiveness. Yep. So, um, but whether it was shame, uh, reverence, you know, for God, uh, that you're told not to look at God, but it's the second time he says, what are you doing here? Why are you here? This is not, you know, where I would have you to be. This is not what I've called you to do. What are you doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, again, using the, the illustration of, of Mike Pickering, if God came to Mike someday and said, Mike, what are you doing here? I need you. You know, and I said God would have to hit you upside the head because you're established there. But sometimes God, I, and I, and all of us need to to pray that. I mean, I've said many times in my life, now, Lord, this is you know, I'm building houses, I'm doing what I do, I I teach a class, I come to church. But if there's something there, and I always said God would have to hit me upside the head to make me move. I'm kind of a homebody. I don't want to. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to live anywhere else. And so God would really have to speak to me about you know making that move. And maybe who knows? Maybe Elijah is a little. Maybe he's like you know. I just I just want to go back home. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't. <laughs> I'm tired of that. I just want to go. And he, but he says the same thing. His his words are almost the identical scripture in verse 14. He replies, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenants, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. So God asked a question twice, and I think giving him an opportunity to change his story, but Elijah just comes right back with the same story again. Well, Lord, you know, I've been very zealous for you, and I've done all these things. So, you know, there's some... God granting mercy sometimes, giving us those second chances to make things right. Um, and and the, the other thing, I don't know his attitude. I don't know if he's like trying to say, God, you know, you're making me do this stuff, and who do you think you are or whatever. But there's a tendency for, I shouldn't say tendency, it probably isn't that uh, frequent of a event, but for someone who's been used greatly, by God, there's a tendency to not have humility. So when your church, you know, I hear these stories, oh, we started in a storefront, and it was just me and my family, and now we have 10,000 people, and we have four services, and we, you know, we do this, and we do that, and, and you know, God has used me and healed. I've seen people healed. Uh, I've seen, like Elijah, I've seen miracles happen that God spoke to me and used me in this miracle there's a tendency to to think we're becoming more equal <laughs> mm-hmm. to God like a tendency to feel like man people must really like my mm-hmm. teaching i mean look how many people come to my church look how many people 
listen to my podcast or look how many, you know, whatever it is. And there's a tendency to think, well, I must be. And the closer, the more we think we are like God, the more likely we are to argue with God about mm-hmm. the way he does things. Yeah. And that's that's a little bit what Elijah's doing here. Well, look what I've done. Look everything that I've done, and now this. Um, we'll finish a couple of verses here. Uh, 15 through 18, the Lord said to him. So, you know, God's having this conversation. He's not like, uh, you know, Elijah, I'm sick of arguing with you. Just do what I tell you. I mean, he's, he's like, go back the way you came and go uh, to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint, and these are going to be some names and things we won't remember, but Hazael, king over Aram, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death only any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So it's it really is almost as if God's saying, listen, I'm done with this conversation. Just I'm going to tell you what to do. This is what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not going to have this long, drawn-out, Elisha or Elijah, you're too good for this, and you're we're done with that conversation. Time to move on. There's mm. there's work to be done, so quit. You know, I have to tell myself that sometimes. You know, you get to talking about something and just hashing something to death, and finally, it's like, I, I mean, I have said to myself many times, Rick, shut up. <laughs> you know, just move on. You're not going to solve the problem by hashing it out and going over it and over it and. And I, Stella and I talk about it a lot. How many times we'll say, well, maybe maybe it was this or, or maybe this is what happened. And then it's like we're making up all these scenarios that we have yeah. no idea right. <laughs> what happened, but yeah. we're making up. And he says, go back the way you came physically. In other words, you're going to backtrack from, from where you started, so it's physically. But spiritually, and you preached about this just recently, returning to your first love, go back the way you came. You know? You might, I mean, God could say to you, I mean, at some point he could say, go back the way you came. In other words, go back to the last church you were at, and, you know, you're going to be there for three years, and then go back to the one previous to that, and you're going to be there for, you know, God could physically do that. But then there's something when you get discouraged and downhearted and the church isn't, you know, what you thought it was going to be and, whatever there's not as many people or or the finance whatever it might be and and god is like pastor jeremiah just go back the way you can remember when you were there and i called you here i mean do you believe i called you here then then just keep on and Mm -hmm. i think that's what go back the way you came spiritually go back the way you came physically and and i'm still going to use you in your strengths and and this this whole thing with Elijah and Elisha would be very similar to uh, you and Pastor Greg, that he was not a pastor, so it's not like, well, he already has all this experience. He was not licensed. He wasn't pastoring a church anywhere. I mean, it, so it's kind of like this. Elisha was not already in ministry pastoring a church, doing all those kind of things. He wasn't a great prophet. He wasn't doing any miracles, nothing else. But he he comes in this picture 
to um, for Elijah to mentor him, to, to steer him along the way, for Elisha to have the opportunity to watch how the prophet reacts mm-hmm. to things. I mean, all of those things. And so when he when he talks about, uh, I, I just wrote a couple. St- I'm still going to use you in your strengths, but Elisha will function where you are weak. There are probably, and I uh, I won't sit here and name them all, but <laughs> but there are probably ways that that Greg may be even stronger than you are in a certain area. Mm-hmm. There may yeah. be places where you say, "Man, he's just better at that than I." You know, mm-hmm. his, his nature. Uh, in certain cir- circumstance might be better than your nature is, that he might handle a situation because of his not ministry experience even, but life experience, that he's just better gifted in that area. I've There's been times in my life where it's like I have no desire <laughs> to do that. I have, yeah. I'm not good at that. So don't ask me to do that because God hasn't gifted me in that area. And sometimes you just—I know—you just need a warm body to fill a, a gap someplace. Mm-hmm. But I know strengths and weaknesses that I have, and I know where I could say, "Why don't you call this guy? He's mm-hmm. the—I am not uh, honestly. I mean, I'll just—I'm not a very good soul winner, like a one-on-one, being able to to bring it around. And you know, usually people say, "Oh yeah, that's good," and they walk off, and that's the end of it. Kelly Stevens is great. Mm-hmm. Yep. He has, I'm not even going to call it a knack, but a gifting in, in evangelism or whatever to be able to, to, to speak to someone. I always said when we went to Willowcrest, I would usually teach a lesson because Kelly doesn't feel good about that. I would teach some kind of lesson. Then Kelly would come up and kind of play off of that and then give an altar call. And I said, if I gave an altar call, nobody gets saved, and he gives an altar call, and everybody gets saved. Mm-hmm. You know, so <laughs> so he's you know there are people who are gifted in different areas, and and that's what's about to to happen here. And he's not saying uh, there's only seven thousand people left. He's just saying there's seven thousand who didn't bow uh, down to Baal, and I'm going to preserve those seven thousand. There's still other Israelites and other people, but he's just saying there's at least seven thousand that didn't bow down. Uh, to Baal uh, during all the Baal worship and and during the time of the the sacrifices and all those they didn't bow down so not everyone was evil in that time it sounds like all Israelites failed God it wasn't always the case and that's not the case here but mm-hmm. anyway we better wrap it up there all right ladies and gentlemen verse by verse Dr. R.B. Maynard come on check us out each and every week on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We appreciate your interaction, your feedback, and uh, share it. Tell someone else about the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Verse by verse, Dr. R.B. Maynard. We appreciate it, guys. We'll talk to you next time.